Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. Um, I'm excited to be able to conclude our study today in this wonderful book called Ecclesiastes. I hope you've been blessed uh, by this uh, study. We're going to be in chapter 12 today, but you know, as I talk about this weekend, yesterday was a pretty exciting week uh, day for my family and I. Uh, we got a chance to go to a cookout, a friend that we've known for a long time, a couple we've known for a long time, invited us over to, and they invited over some other friends that we go way back with. And as we sat back and enjoyed today. Uh, we were watching our kids play, and then one of my friends said, we're not young anymore, are we? And I was pretty upset by that, but he was reminding me, and we began to talk about how things have changed over the years. We were remembering uh, what we were like when we first met. We had a lot more hair, a lot fewer pounds, and no kids, and life was like freedom on every side. But now there's so much responsibility. But you know, one of the things that we all have in common, our friends that were at the cookout, is that we're all in different capacities of ministry leadership. We're all leading in different capacities in different ways. And all of us have a desire to see this generation come to Christ. I'm so fired up that the kids are here among us. How many thank God for the kids that are here with us? As a matter of fact, You'll see Pastor EJ, myself, Pastor John Zelenik, others wearing these kids' polos, Woodside kids' polos. It's just to remind us of how important it is for us to invest in the next generation. As a matter of fact, one of the calculus uh, uh, equations that we've come up with, that if you want to change a generation, just invest one weekend a month in serving in our kids' ministries. That if you serve one weekend a month, God will use that to change a generation. How many want to see a generation come to know Jesus? How many want to see revival, a mighty move of the Spirit among the next generation? I'm praying that you will uh, consider visiting our South Connect desk and saying, yeah, I'll serve one weekend a month so that we can see a generation uh, change. But as we were talking, we were talking about how questions have changed over the years. The questions that we ask versus the question that this generation is asking. And it may seem subtle, but I think it's pretty profound. When I was in my 20s, the question that was on my mind was, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? What is it all about? What is my purpose? Where should I invest my time, my talent, and treasure? How many remember asking these questions in your 20s? If you're a little bit older, how many remember asking these questions, right? What is the meaning of life? What is it all about? What should I pursue? What is my purpose? Well, this generation is not asking that question, at least not that way. I believe that this generation is asking a different question, that is, what is the meaning of life? But maybe a more foundational question, does life have meaning at all? And that's exactly what Solomon is trying to address. It's amazing how relevant and how timeless and timely the book of Ecclesiastes is. So join me, if you will, uh, for the grand finale, uh, chapter 12, the conclusion of the matter. After all of his study, after all of his words, where does he land? And for the kids in the room with us today, parents at home, you can download this as well from our website. There are kids' notes. You fill these out 
and uh, you'll get a surprise. I don't know what that surprise is, but your parents know exactly what the surprise is. Ask them whatever you want. Doesn't matter how much it costs, just ask big. If you fill this whole thing out, they'll get it whatever you want. <laughs> That's all Bob and Dad. <laughs> so uh, title of the message is Fallen Purpose. Fallen Purpose. And the big, the, the, the big idea today is dealing with the question, does life have meaning at all? Solomon, King Solomon answers the question with an affirmative, a bold affirmative, yes, life has meaning because God is life. But I don't wanna take it for granted. I don't wanna assume that you have come to that conclusion. So here's what he's done, and it's so brilliant, so powerful, is he's basically undertook this, this study of trying to examine the outcome of the major philosophies of life and where they ultimately lead. He has traveled the road of intellectualism. Does that bring purpose? He has uh, tried to find purpose and meaning in materialism. He has tried to find it in unlimited pleasure, what we would call hedonism. And what he's concluded is that pleasure is not pleasing without God. What he's concluded is that wealth leaves you weary without God. What he's discovered in all of his uh, pursuits is that knowledge will only leave you negative and cynical as you learn more without God in the equation. And now he turns to uh, one of two choices we have. When we realize that life under the sun or pursuits without God, he keeps using this phrase, under the sun throughout this book, and that is looking at life from the sun down as if God didn't exist, and he, and, he, and he basically comes to the conclusion that life under the sun is vanity of vanities, or it's smoke and mirrors, it's a mirage, it only leads to despair. Despair, another way of saying it philosophically, is nihilism. Nihilism is uh, where we land our plane, and this is where a generation is. This thought that there is no meaning to life, that at the end of the day, there's no point. There's no point in, in, in studying and getting degrees. There's no point in striving for a career. There's no point in getting married. So many are coming to the conclusion that life doesn't have meaning. And you may say, Chris, well, how do you know? Well, all you have to do is look at the rise of anxiety and depression and in its worst form, self-harm and suicide. All of them are on the rise, not only in this nation, but around the world, not only in this nation, but in every single state. What is that? That's a generation who has given over to despair, to nihilism, to the thought that there is no purpose or meaning. But this isn't new. This is always, for every generation, the outcome when we try to pursue life under the sun without God. Some have argued that the best way for us to read Ecclesiastes is to read it as a letter from a father to a son. I think there's much evidence to support that view. And if that is the case, it speaks to all of us who are older of a message that we need to give to the next generation. And that is, there is meaning, there is life. What is it? Well, he starts in chapter 11. Let's look at chapter 11 before we go to 12, verse number nine. Chapter 11, verse number nine reads as this, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth, 
Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. What is he saying? What he is saying there is, listen, live with passion. Find something that enlivens your heart, that captures your eyes, but make sure you keep God at the center of it. If you're going to look for something to invest your time, talent, and treasure in, that's a good thing. God has given you all of these things. He has given you grace and strength and ability and intellect. Find something to pursue, but just make sure you keep God at the center of it all. This is exactly what the purpose of life is. It is living with God at the center and investing our passions into bringing him glory. I believe Paul, picking up on this theme in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31, says it this way. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. My friends, if we were to be asked by the generation coming behind us, what's the meaning of it all? What's the purpose of it all? Our response should be to find something that you can invest your heart and your life into that brings glory to God. He goes on to say in in verse number one of chapter 12, listen to these words. Remember also your creator. In the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. I can keep reading, but what he's alluding to is the truth that I think most of us know. And that is, it is far better for us to find God when we're young. How many of us have come to faith in Christ maybe a little bit older in years and wish in our hearts that we would have made the decision to follow Jesus a long time ago. How many have that as a desire? You think about how much heartache you could have avoided. You think about how many uh, pains you could have avoided or, or how much pain you could have avoided causing other people because you did not know Jesus. He says, listen, remember your creator in your youth while you are still young. Again, that's why we're wearing these polos today. That's why we're encouraging you to consider investing one weekend a month to change a generation. Because either you're in one of two categories. Either you are older and you have figured this thing out, and if that's the case, then you need to be telling the next generation, or you're younger and you're struggling with some of these questions, and you need to listen to the wisdom of someone who has tried it all who've experienced it all. You know, praise God, there's certain pains I don't have to go through because I can watch somebody else go through it. You ever watch something on YouTube and see somebody do something dumb and you say, man, I don't have to do that. I see what that's gonna turn out to. There's this crate challenge that's going on. I don't know if you've seen this on social media. People are stacking crates, trying to, trying to walk on these crates. Don't do it if you haven't seen it. Just ignore everything I'm about to say. But here's the bottom line. Most of them are falling on their face, and I just keep saying, praise God, I don't have to do that. (laughs) There are certain pains you can avoid because you've listened. You've been smart enough, wise enough to listen to others. And here's this father saying to his son, son, I want to save you a whole lot of trouble. Here's how I'm going to do it. 
want to encourage you, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. The best time for you to start loving and living for Jesus is while you are young. Notice what he goes on to say. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before. That's the key word of this verse. Before what? Before the evil days come. Before the evil days come, you know, when I was young, and this is true for most of us who in particular were raised in a good home, you're sheltered from so much. You're sheltered from so much evil, so much of the pains of life. There was a lot, as I look back on my youth, there was a lot going on in my family and in the world that I was oblivious to because I was so sheltered by the safety of my parents and our home. And praise, praise God for it. As a matter of fact, now that I'm older, one of the running jokes I have with my parents is, man, do I miss sleeping in your basement. Man, do I miss sleeping in their basement when mom did the laundry and dad paid the bills. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I had the nerve in that season of my life to, to complain. And now I got kids of my own and I'm paying the bills and my wife is making the meals and they got the nerve. That's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> Let me get back to the text. But, but the reality is we all know what it's like to be sheltered from the evil days only to get older and to have your eyes wide open to the fact that pandemics do happen, economies fall apart, wars take place, social unrest is a part of the human fallen experience. There is so much brokenness. There is so much fallenness in the world. He says, listen, learn to love your creator. Learn to love God while you're young before cynicism sets in, before you realize how evil this world is, before you get to a place where the evilness of this world is not only out there, but it gets in here and it leads to such despair that you become nihilistic. That you get to the point where you say, what's the point of it all? Have you ever been there before? What's the point of it all? Why even try? Well, he wants his son to avoid that. This is not just a father to a son. This is a current king preparing a future king. Some of us are raising kids and we're wanting great things for their lives. Well, if you want great things for their lives, teach them this. Reminds me of the words of a, um, of a science professor. There was a science experiment that this professor did where he came in and on top of a desk, he put a clear container and he had some pretty big rocks right next to the container. And he takes the rocks and he puts it into the clear container until the rocks stack to the top. And then he asks the class, is the container full? And these smart college students say, yes, the container is full. And then he reaches under his desk and he grabs this bag of small pebbles. And he pours the pebbles into the container, filling in the spaces in between the big rocks. And then he asks again, is the container full? I wonder what your answer would be. Well, some of the students were smart enough not to answer. Others made the same mistake. Yes, it is full. And he reaches up under his desk again and pulls out a bag of sand. 
And he pours the sand in, and the sand fills in the space in between the small stones. And he asks a third time, and you can see the experiment could go on and on and on, smaller and smaller molecules, filling in spaces and gaps. But then he asks his students, what do you think the meaning of this experiment is? And they all take guesses, and then finally he gives them the answer. And here's the answer, that if I would not have put the big stones in first, they would have never gotten in. If I would have filled my container up with the small pebbles or the sand first, then the big rocks would have never gotten in. What are the big rocks of life? Well, according to Solomon, the biggest rock of life is start with your creator. Don't start filling in the gaps of your life with career goals first or other materialistic pursuits. Don't, don't try to climb the corporate ladder first. Don't try to amass possessions and things. These are all small pebbles in comparison to the great God and King that has come to save you, redeem you, and give you purpose. If you want joy, not only today, but in the latter days of your life, then look to Jesus. He will give you eternal purpose and joy. Start with the big rocks, friends. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. That's just his way of saying you'll get old. You'll get old. You won't always have strength and energy and vitality. There will come a day when your eyes won't see as well. Your ears won't hear as well. Your knees won't be as strong as they used to be. I can hurt myself now sitting down. I used to only hurt myself doing activities. Now I can sleep and wake up with a cramp. Like, where does that come from? <laughs> when you get old, your body changes. Learn to love your creator in your youth so that as you get older and you realize how evil the world is and you realize how frail your body is, your hope won't only be in your body, your hope won't only be in this world system, but your hope will be into something far more eternal, far more lasting, the hope eternal that is found in Christ. Is there purpose? Yes, because God is life. Then he concludes the whole experiment. He goes on to say in verse number 9 of chapter 12, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. I just want to pause there for a moment and just acknowledge that he didn't haphazardly put this book together. He thought about it, thought deeply about it. He was a man who had unprecedented wealth, unprecedented access. He was a man we know, Solomon was a man of wisdom, un un uncompared wisdom. He prayed to God, God gave him wisdom, and he used all of that to put this book together with care. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like uh, nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. Now, I love this. What he is saying is that when you um, imbibe these sayings, when you put them in your heart, your life will be like, um, like a, a tent that's hammered down by nails. It, it'll be anchored by nails so that when the wind comes, and a storm comes, you won't be blown because you'll be anchored if you will receive this wisdom by nails. And then he goes on to say, 
They are given by one shepherd. All of the wisdom that is worth living, all the eternal wisdom is given by one shepherd. You see, now he's changed. He's no longer talking in mystery, no longer in poetry, no longer in metaphor, no longer in parabolic terms. He is talking clearly. He is acknowledging not just life under the sun, but what does life look, up, look like from the sun upward? He's acknowledging God, and he is saying there's only one shepherd. There's only one who cares for our souls, who feeds us the words of eternal life. My son, you do well to take heed. Verse 12, listen to the tender words of a father. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Beyond what? Beyond the words of the shepherd. The one shepherd, Yahweh, God. Remember your creator. Listen to his words. Build your life on his words. And if you build your life on his words, despair, nihilism will not set in. Even when the days are evil, even when your body does get old, you will have something internal. I remember my father before he passed away. My father was a preacher before me. I'm a fourth generation preacher. And I remember my dad, he was so weak. He's so weak. I remember him sitting in the couch and he'd be slouched over, but then he started talking to me about the word of God. And the next thing you know, he'd be erect, he'd sit up, he's pacing the floor, he's preaching a mini sermon to his son in the living room. And then after he was done, he would just kind of lie down in that couch again. But there was something about the word. It would revive his heart. It would build his soul. It gave him life. Listen to the words of the one shepherd and you will have hope. He goes on to say, of making many books, there is no end, and of much study is a weariness of the flesh. Parents, don't let your kids use that verse as an excuse not to study. That's a misapplication of the verse. Don't let them do it to you. Verse number 13, the end of the matter. Here's the conclusion. After all of the studies, after all the journeys, of intellectualism, materialism, hedonism, nihilism, he comes to this. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Everything's been tried, everything's been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of men, for God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. I love this. We just studied this book for six weeks. He sums up all of it in six words. What are the six words? Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. That whatever you do, pursue with all your heart, but just fear God and keep his commandments. To fear God means to honor him, respect him, to make him the whole of life to fully surrender to his will. And this is what he's calling us to do. My friend yesterday who uh, hosted the cookout used to be a Muslim, now he's a Christian. And we were talking and he said to me, and it wasn't the first time he said it, he says, Chris, you know what the difference is between my life when I was a Muslim and my life now? And I said, what? And he drew a circle and he put a dot in the middle of it. He says, you know, when I was a, a Muslim, my faith was the circle, and I was a dot. My faith was the whole of life, and I was just a dot in the middle of it, but it was my faith that just governed everything. 
He said, when I became a Christian, I noticed that most Christians live as if they're the circle and their faith is the dot in the middle. Just one dot among many. Another dot of career, another dot is my family, another dot is my possessions or my social activities. And man, it was convicting hearing him say this and, and it challenged me and hopefully challenges you that we need to fear God, honor God, making him the whole of life. And it doesn't mean that we don't have other pursuits, but it means that as we pursue those things, we do it with the lens or through the lens of the fear of the Lord. So as I get married or in a relationship, I'm asking, how can I honor God through this? As I get possessions in my hands, I'm asking, how can I honor God through this? As I accumulate opportunities and career or academic uh, achievements, I'm asking, Lord, how can I leverage my learning or my career or my skills for your glory? All of it for his glory, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Do it all to the glory of God. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Six words. Sums up all of life. And then he goes on to give two reasons why. First, because this is the whole duty of man. This is all of it. You know, when you are young, life is so complex. You're wondering, which way should I go? Which, how many days when I was younger, how many days did I spent 30 minutes to an hour just trying to figure out what to wear that day? Now that I'm old, it's whatever pants fit and whatever uh, shirt is ironed, I'm going to put that on, right? Life is easy. It is simple now. The older you get, the simpler life gets. And here's how he sums it all up. Fear God and keep his commandments to whole duty. But then he concludes with this. He says, for God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, let's go back as we close to chapter 11, verse number nine. In light of the fact that ultimately God will judge, here's what he says again, rejoice, O young men, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, pursue your passions, and set uh, and, and the sight of your eyes. Uh, chase after those things that bring you energy and life and excitement, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Ultimately, he says, what helps you to make decisions for today is to remember that day. Don't live short-sighted. Don't live just for today, but remember that day. And one day he will come back and he will ask you, what, will you, what, have, what have you done with all of the grace I gave you, all of the strength, all of the ability, all of the skill, all the education, all the opportunities to whom much is given, much is required, and I hope that we'll be able to say, Lord, look at all the things that I've done for your glory. I pursued passions. I've chased after those things that made me feel fully alive. But I did it for your glory. Six words. Changes it all. Fear God and keep his commandments. Amen? Amen. He drops the pen. He closes the book. And he leaves it with us. And the question is, how now will you and I live. Let's all stand. As we uh, conclude this study, we're going to conclude with a song of praise. As we recognize that only God can take the broken and the evil things of this world and bring life out of it.
as we celebrate once again that he can turn graves into gardens. He can take our brokenness and our mistakes and he can consume it with his grace and his glory. He can overcome our shame with his goodness. And so I'm asking for you today, if you have never given your life to Jesus, before you get the barbecue, before you enjoy the picnic, make the best decision that any man or woman can make. Give your life to the Lord. They'll be friends after we worship together up here. They'll be ready to pray with you. And if you're watching online, just simply type connect right now, and one of our friendly uh, team members will follow up with you. How many believe we serve a great God? Let's pray. Father, we believe, we believe today that only you can transform our lives. We put our trust in you. We magnify you even now. In Jesus' name, we say amen and amen. Come on and give God praise. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.